Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hill, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Rawls, New Mexico. I'm Marie Manning. What an honor it is to have you join us today. Our goal at Living Your Dash is to better help you connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Let's join Rick and Sean with this week's podcast. Well, thanks, Marie, and thanks for joining us today, everybody else, on this week's podcast. Hey, if you're new to Living Your Dash, remember to go to rosalgrace.com to find out more about Grace Community Church and to listen to Rick's message. Hey, Rick, the, the foundational tenet of this series, Happy, is that we don't get happiness in our life by focusing on pleasing ourselves, but on serving others. Am I getting that right? You are getting that right. That is the bottom line focus of this series. Okay, so can you remind us once again why that makes sense? I got to tell you, Sean, once again, uh, Jesus gets it right. Isn't it amazing how often Jesus gets it right? (laughs) And Jesus said in that famous quote, it is more blessed to give than receive. When you look up that word blessed, it, it really means happy, that you will be happier in your life when you're giving instead of receiving. And I know that goes counter to the way we often think right. in our sinful nature, but it really is true. When you think in your past, when you have given, when you've served, when you've helped someone, how did you feel? It, mm-hmm. it gave you a level of happiness that uh, getting a gift from someone does it doesn't even compare. Yeah, I, I'm reminded at the beginning of the series, I, I, I thought about what Alan Hirsch was talking, that, that the world really is trying to get us to think selfishly. You know, what am I, what, how am I going to look better? Uh, how, how will I be, how will I dress better? How will my hair look? How will my body look? And uh, here Jesus is saying, it's not about you. So I love that. Um, you know, I, I appreciate that, that Lucato uh, separated happiness as a selfish goal. Um, he said that happiness is less an emotion and more a decision, a decision to bear with one another. Uh, what is the relationship between happiness as an emotion and happiness as a decision? I had a great example this week. I was visiting with a lady just the other day, and she just finished reading How Happiness Happens, and she mm. said, Rick, I'm so glad I read this book because I, I, she said, right now I'm in a just a major conflict with a coworker. And before I read this book, every day I was dreading going to work. I knew that I was going to see this person and, and I, it, she would just drain all the happiness out of my life and out of my job. Mm. But she said, once, once I finished this book, I realized that happiness is a choice that I make not an emotion that I feel. Hmm. And she said, I made the decision going to work that I am not going to allow this person to drain away my happiness. She said, once I made that decision, it totally changed everything. Wow, that that reminds me of a book that uh, I think Minneth Meyer wrote a long time ago uh, called Happiness is a Decision. Happiness is a choice. Oh, it's a choice, yeah. But the whole book is about the decisions we make and the choices we make will lead to happiness. So there is a danger in confusing those concepts, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and I saw this week, somebody posted a great one on Facebook. I, I should have written it down word for word, but <laughs> it was basically that you know, what, what sinks a ship 
it's it's not the water on the outside. Mm. It's if the water gets on the inside, that's what sinks a ship. And I thought, that's what happens with happiness. If mm. if I let the circumstances on the outside get inside, that's what destroys my happiness. Yeah. So as long as I keep the circumstances outside and I make the choice, I'm not going to let these circumstances or difficult people... I'm not going to let them get in my head. Yeah. I'm not going to let them get in my boat. Then I'll be able to uh, to sail through life just fine. Yeah. And there's the key is if we let it become an emotion, we let it control our thinking, our feelings, our mm-hmm. emotions. That's what drains our happiness. Wow. And if, if you don't mind me sailing on that metaphor just a little bit more, <laughs> I think about the integrity of the whole uh, that there, there are a lot of things that can happen to destroy the hull, uh, not just running into things. It's, it's just rot. If it's made of wood or steel is going to rust, wood is going to rot, uh, aluminum is, is, going to, uh, uh, is, is going to deteriorate as well. So we have to keep, have to keep on and deciding to, to check it and to make those repairs and to make sure that we are we're truly making those decisions, that happiness is going to be... Uh, really internal, that I'm going to make that decision. So this week's focus uh, memory verse was out of uh, Galatians 6.2, carry each other's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So I get carrying somebody else's burdens, but burden, but what is the law of Christ? I mean, did Jesus say, hey, I'm laying down the law here, so listen up, you know, there will be a test. (laughs) No, and when you go back to the Gospels, you look in the Gospel of John, here Jesus, on the night before he was crucified, was gathered in the upper room for the Last Supper, and right in the middle of his teaching around the table that night, he said, guys, I'm giving you a new command. That had to get their attention. Mm. Here's the new command, he said, love one another. Mm. That's the the command or the law of Christ that we love one another. And again, what was Jesus saying? Guys, I love you. I care about you. I want you to have happiness and joy in your life uh, that nothing will take away that joy and that happiness. And here it is. If you will learn to focus on meeting the needs of others rather than focusing on your own selfish interest, you will find genuine happiness. Wow. And what a beautiful picture. Even... I, I always think, I mean, the night before he was crucified, I mean, who, if anybody had a right to be selfish. He knew what was coming. Yeah. He had already prophesied it. He told them, here's what's going to happen. They're going to arrest me. They're going to crucify me. And he knew it all. And yeah. yet, what was he, what was his focus? He was yeah. more concerned about those guys in the upper room than he was about his own welfare. Wow. And it reminds me of, uh, uh, from uh, Craig Rochelle. Uh, when he said, you know, when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Yeah. And Jesus knew what we needed to do, uh, and he calls us to do the same. Um, is, is this other-centered attitude, do you think it's distinctly Christian in the world? Uh, are we meant to be kind of oddly different in this way? Yeah, I, that's a great question. I'm not sure about other world religions. I know some world religions are very self-centered. Right. And it's all about me and somehow reaching my own personal nirvana. Mm-hmm. And that's the goal in my life. 
But one thing I do know is that, yeah, Christians are to be oddly different. We are to be distinct from the world, where the world is all about, you know, get all you can, can all you get, set on the can. Mm. Christians are, are all about giving. So uh, I would say, you know, if you, uh, if you look at how the church is doing, we've had good days, we've had bad days in our history. Yeah. But Sean, mostly good, mostly good. I really see Christians uh, who fight against the tendency of being selfish and self-centered. Imagine what the world would be like today without <clears throat> Christian influence. Yeah. Uh, think about all the the hospitals, the orphanages, the soup kitchens, the um, place for homeless to uh, the homeless to gather and be protected. Who's leading those ministries? Who is leading the charge in taking care of other people? It's it's the Christian movement. It's the church. Yeah, yeah. I you know it's interesting. So where where I grew up. So actually, where I was born, I was born in Baptist Memorial Hospital, and so it was. There were some Christians who said, you know, we see a need for another hospital. Uh, down the street was uh, St. Luke's. And uh, I know in Albuquerque, there's Presbyterian, you know, uh, all these hospitals that are named after or they were they were originated from Christians who said, we got to do something about this. Think about universities. How many universities, the great universities were established uh, by Christians yeah. primarily to train pastors. Isn't that something? <laughs> now, so, they may not, some people may not know that. Which, which schools are you thinking of? Well, things like Princeton, uh-huh. Yale, Harvard. Yeah. Those were established as colleges, universities to train pastors. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, okay. So, in the context of how we deal with each other, you focused on the, that power couple, <laughs> as I like to think of them, Priscilla and Aquila and their relationship with Apollos. You brought up a great point. The fact that they got, that they got involved at all is really important. What are some of the excuses that they could have made, but they didn't? No, Sean, it would have been easy for them, after hearing this eloquent speaker, Apollos, to easily could have said, uh, you know, honey, I don't think we want to get mixed up with this guy. He is smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could embarrass us. He could put us in our place. They could have said, well, you know, we have our ministry and that's his ministry. Who are we to tell him how to do his ministry? Mm-hmm. They could have just kind of fallen into the, hey, that's this isn't my problem. If we get involved, it could get ugly. It could get messy. They could have thought of, all the negative things that could have happened. What impresses me about this power couple is they did not let those excuses keep them from doing the right thing. Yeah, and I appreciate the fact that they did get involved. So is there like a a matrix that we should use whenever, when we consider whether it's wise uh, to get involved or not? For instance, you know, like I've heard this this phrase, you know, that's that's not my monkey, not my circus, and to kind of help me. And for a lot of reasons, I think it is a good idea not to just jump in with my opinion and, and try to change people. So what is the wise, um, what are the wise questions we should ask or things we should consider? Yeah, you use the power word there, wise. You have to pray for wisdom. Mm. And in any situation, you have to say, okay, God, give me wisdom here. But one of the guiding principles would be, how big a deal is this? You know, if it's like, hey, I prefer green and this person prefers blue, 
that's not worth a fight. That's not right. worth a confrontation and, and potential conflict. But if it's a big deal, then it's worth going to that person. And you look at the story of Aquila and Priscilla with Apollos. This was a big deal, Sean. Yeah. They heard Apollos preaching what he thought was the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only problem is he didn't know the big payoff at the end. <laughs> he was preaching the baptism of John the Baptist, which was a preparatory baptism of repentance. It was to prepare people's hearts to receive the gospel. Nobody had shared the rest of the story yeah. with Apollos. And um, what, so how big a deal was it? Well, it was he wasn't preaching Christian baptism, which meant the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. I would say that was a big deal. Yeah. And so as as they waited, I believe Priscilla and Aquila said, this is worth the risk because if we can get this powerful speaker named Apollos, if we can get him the rest of the story, yeah. he can he can really impact the world for the gospel. I always thought it was just really funny that he was able to be so successful with what he had. It was, it was kind of like driving a, a semi-truck, but only on one side. Uh, so I thought, wow, this guy was incredible. Yeah, and, and think of it this way, that Aquila and Priscilla looking at this guy, they must have thought, man, he's on the right road. We just need to get him further down the road. Right, right. Which is what they did. Exactly. So obviously their, their involvement paid off. We know that Apollos' influence was very important. Um, is it wrong to think that our involvement and in influence wouldn't be as important as his? Absolutely. It is wrong. Sean, you and I have talked, and we've heard so many people over the years, adults, yeah. who very successful and, and uh, very Christ-centered, making an impact in the world. And if you ask them, you know, what, what brought about this, uh, this life of yours? How many times, Sean, would they point back to maybe a high school teacher who redirected their life? Mm. Or maybe a youth pastor who helped with a, a course correction. They were getting off, they were getting into trouble, and someone came and lovingly, gently corrected them, got them back on the path that led to a successful life. You never know who you're impacting. Yeah. And that's why we need to have the courage when we see someone getting off course to get them back on course. John, I can't tell you how many times men have sat in this office and said, you know, I was uh, heading for an affair at work and I was getting involved with somebody, uh, not my wife, but somebody, another man walked in my office and closed the door and said, hey, I care enough about you and your career your wife and your kids, don't go down this road. Wow. And it made a difference. Yeah. You never know the difference a word or two could make. Boy, you know, I, I, I think about to that story about, um, what was it, Billy Graham's uh, Sunday school teacher or something like that. Wow. Uh, how, made an impact. Yeah, it made a, a, it. What's interesting is that's it, not just a, an interesting biological or biographical story. Um Billy Graham, because he was preaching in Kansas City, my high school teacher, uh, Bob Farwell, showed up and listened uh, to that message, and he got saved. And uh, then, because he became more ministry-minded, he decided to um, uh, uh, get involved with students' lives in a Bible club at my high school. I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for 
Bob Farwell. And Bob Farwell wouldn't have been there doing what he should have been doing if Billy Graham uh, hadn't been doing what he was doing. It, and, of course, Billy Graham wouldn't be there if it weren't for that Sunday school teacher. So it's, it's amazing. Yeah. I, I would not be where I am today had it not been for a youth minister who took an interest in me when I was a junior in high school and did some course correcting and redirecting and seriously put me on the path that led me to where I am today. That's wonderful. Yeah. And I wrote him one time. I wrote him a few years back. I wrote him and I just said, I don't even know if you remember me or not, but you and your wife had a huge impact in my life. And I just want to say thank you. And he wrote me back and he said, I do remember you. (laughs) And he said, and I want you to know that my wife and I really prayed that we would have some kind of impact in those uh, in those kids in our youth ministry, and uh, you were one of them. That's a beautiful story. What's his name? Yeah, Carly Dodd. Carly Dodd. Thank you, Carly Dodd. Absolutely. Because so, Rick Hale's been a great influence for me. All right, so they decided it was it was worth the risk of failure. And so, you know, Rick, you, you mentioned that a key to their success was the fact that they invited uh, Apollos into their home. Um, that really what they shared with him was done in private, not in public. Um, but, you know, right now that's kind of hard to do, isn't it? Because we're social distancing. Any suggestions? Yeah, wear a mask. <laughs> um, do, do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes. Right. And there again, see, we, we could easily use these excuses. Well, you know, it's not safe and, and, you know, we have to social distance and what if this and what if that. Listen, uh, being a Christian involves risk. Right. And it takes courage. I'm just amazed when you go back again to the Gospels, how often Jesus would emphasize, go to the person, go to the per- have a conversation. If you see someone getting off, uh, if you have a conflict with somebody, what do you do? You go to that person and you try to work it out. Um, I, again, Jesus is right on track. Is It's that personal touch that can make a huge impact. Because really what you're saying is, hey, you matter to me. And I care enough about you that I'm willing to risk a little bit of conflict and a little bit of difficulty, but you are worth the risk. You know, I, I think about the, the opportunity costs. Um, and there is an opportunity cost. They had an opportunity cost, and it worked out brilliantly for them. And I think that the same can go for us, isn't it? Because we're seeing that uh, the vaccines are getting uh, out there more and and we're really beginning to see more people that either got the got the the virus like myself right. and and so I can I can breathe a little easier well a little easier a little easier right yeah. uh, but I can see that people are, are beginning to really see it's it's about time it's about time for me to get out it's about time for us to open things back up mm-hmm. we have an opportunity don't we to, to really reach out and to to, to really influence each other. Uh, and the other thing I can't help but, but think of is the word hospitality. Um, as I think of Priscilla and Aquila caring for Apollos. Uh, I remember you recommended a, a great book to me by Bruce Rollison uh, cre- uh, entitled Creative Hospitality. And in it, he, he wrote, you know, I'd always thought that crisis is what brought people to the church, but now I'm discovering crisis without Loving care and support and interest of the church is what motivates people to leave the church for cults and other sub- any other substitute they can find. Care to comment on that? He is exactly right. What I've learned is that very often, crisis will bring people to a church, 
but hospitality will bring them back. Mm. If, if people come in a crisis and they're looking for spiritual help and answers, they'll come to a church. That's mm-hmm. just kind of built into their thinking and into our culture. They will very often come to the church. But if they come and they sense that they don't matter, that they're not loved, that they're not welcome, that no one reaches out to them, that they come in the doors and they leave and no one even speaks to them, mm. that very often they say, well, um, I thought I might get help there, but they really don't care. Yeah, It's hospitality that brings people back. Yeah, I, I, you know, in that book, that it was on. He was quoting Henri Nouwen, who was talking about how the German word for hospitality it means the freedom of the guest. That hospitality is creating a free and friendly space for people. Um, how might the local church, Grace Community Church, in particular, benefit from such a goal? I think the most important thing is on a Sunday morning when people walk into that auditorium that they don't walk in and see a bunch of people sitting with their head down reading the bulletin. Right. But they see people with their head up and they're walking around and they're speaking to one another and they're greeting one another. And a very simple thing that you, that people can do on a Sunday morning is, is get there early and stay late. (laughs) Uh, Very simple. Don't walk in 10 minutes late. Then you can't talk to anybody. Come early and stay late. Look around, look around at the person sitting by himself or herself and go over and simply introduce yourself. Another thing you could do is introduce yourself and then invite some of your friends over and introduce your friends to that person. Bingo. Just those simple things can make a person feel welcome because what it says to people is, hey, they're offering their time. They care about me. They're willing to, to get out of their seat and come over and visit with me. And Sean, who knows, maybe that would lead to maybe a having coffee with a person yeah. or having a meal or maybe even inviting them into your home like Aquila and Priscilla did for Apollos. Do you think it's one of those things where every Sunday we really ought to come to church with the idea of, you know, today I I should expect the Lord's going to bring me across somebody and it may not end up in coffee, but it may end up in just the perfect conversation that they need to hear. Yeah, it's an intentional decision of the will When you pull into the church parking lot, you have to say, this morning is not about me. It's not about me. I'm here to serve others and to love others and to encourage others. And God, before I leave in this parking lot, before I leave this parking lot, will you help me have one of those encounters? Yeah. Is that fulfilling the law of Christ when we do that? I would say very much so. I think so too. All right. Well, you know, you, you talked a lot about uh, burdens, how, how we needed to carry each other's burdens. So I think about other types of burdens, sad things, negative things like unfulfilled expectations, failures, um, hard responsibilities, uh, problems that are emotional, financial, spiritual, psychological. How, how, does, how does confronting, correcting, and celebrating work with those? One thing that you you will learn as a Christian about burdens is it's not a one-size-fits-all. Mm-hmm. That burdens are very different. The one we looked at in Galatians 6 is a specific burden of when you see a fellow believer tripped up in a sin or caught in a sin. Mm-hmm. How, how do you help them bear that burden? Well, you go to them and you restore them and you do it with gentleness and with humility. But there are other burdens that hit people each burden is different, 
and it requires a different treatment or a different cure, just like a disease. It's not a one antibiotic fits all. Right. There's different medicines to treat different illnesses. So each burden uh, can be different and is different and requires a different cure. So, I mean, uh, uh, shoot at me here, Sean. Give me some, give me some examples of the kinds of burdens that might be out there. And let me, let me see if I can give yeah. you some ideas. You bet. Okay, how about this? Uh, as you know, the, our school system right now is beginning to open up just a wee bit, and everybody's a little frustrated, or they're, they're frightened, uh, or they're, they're saying it's not going far enough. So you've got teachers, administrators, students dealing with this hybrid school attendance policy. What about that? Uh, here, here's an idea. How about this for teachers? Go buy and get them a gift card, a $10 Sonic card or a $10 um, card to Starbucks. Uh And just say, hey, I I know this has been a burden for you, and I just want you to know you're not alone. We're for you. We're behind you. It can be something as simple as a gift card or for another family who's got a bunch of kids and they're just overwhelmed. Uh, go buy and get them a meal, takeout. Wow. And say, hey, we're bringing burgers tonight. We're going we're gonna to bring you a $10 pizza. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a huge expensive gift, but a simple act of kindness. That's fantastic. Or just maybe a note that says, hey, I'm praying for you. And of course, pray for them. You know, don't just say it, do it. Um, how about somebody that I know is dying of a terminal disease? One thing we've learned, Sean, on that one is more than anything, people don't need answers. They need a listening ear. Yeah. So let a person tell their story. Let them tell of how they got diagnosed, all the waiting rooms, the treatments, mm-hmm. um, their fears, their concerns, and, and listen. You don't have to have you know, answers. And many right. people say, oh, what if they ask me the wrong question? Just simply say, yeah, I don't know, but I'm sorry you're going through this. And yeah. I want you to know I don't have the answers, but I care about you. Yeah. And yeah. you pray, and you pray with them. That's excellent. Okay, how about this one? Um, my family member is making bad choices, or my family member is telling me I'm making bad choices. I'd say on the first one, you know, if you have family members making bad choices, <clears throat> have the courage to confront. Don't be afraid. Have yeah. the courage. Uh, don't be condescending. Don't be an arrogant know-it-all. But say, hey, listen, I care about you. I love you. One thing I've learned, Sean, is the power of asking questions. Rather than giving statements to the person, mm-hmm. ask questions. Say, hey, Sean, do you, do you feel like this choice you're making, is it a good choice? Hmm. What, what are, the, are there any negative consequences if you go down this road? Yeah. Kind of put the ball in their court. On the second part of your question, <laughs> if it's me making bad choices and someone comes to me, I need to have the courage to repent. Yeah. And that's hard. Yeah. yeah. Sean, there's an old joke that says, you know, if uh, one person says you're a jackass, you blow it off. If a second person says you're a jackass, you need to think about it. And if a third person says you're a jackass, buy a saddle. <laughs> now, that may be a little crude, but there's a lot of truth to that story, Sean, is you have to be willing to look in the mirror and say, you know, I'm acting like a jackass. Yeah. And I need to change. Right. And I need to repent. That's a, is that a good old Texas uh, saying there? Or? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> All right. I've, I've heard it said that we should celebrate, and we do that here at Grace, but we, we should celebrate what we prioritize. Rick, you said that we need to celebrate the act of caring for each other. That even, uh, and maybe especially, when confronting 
So why is that important and how do we do that? I believe the way we do that is we have to look at the end of the story. If you're in the middle of the story of the confrontation, it might look ugly and messy and difficult, but always think of the end of the story you know, with Aquila and Priscilla. You know, what was, what's this going to look like when Apollos gets the rest of the story? Mm-hmm. What's, what's it going to look like when Apollos is more effective in sharing the whole gospel of Jesus Christ? So you, you have to look at the end of the story. You have to take the long view. And if you're confronting someone who's maybe about to mess up their marriage, just kind of imagine what's it going to look like when this marriage is restored, mm-hmm. when there's reconciliation. Always think of the end of the story and what the, what the celebration will be like when you arrive there. Yeah. You know, I, I love that story that uh, Lucato put in the book um, about how he was riding with that woman uh, in the hearse and, uh, or in one of the, the funeral cars. And, and uh, I, get, I think she said some statement about it. I don't know what I'm going to do now. Yeah, my life is over. Yeah. I have no reason to live. And uh, instead of being, you know, kind and gentle, he, 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 was, he said it in a respectful way, but he said, you know what, your life is not over, so don't say that. And uh, I, I forget exactly what he said. You remember? Yeah, but it, it's, that's what it takes. It just takes the courage sometimes to say, no, you're not right. That's yeah. not right. Let me tell you the truth. And so you speak the truth in love, but you speak the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any final encouragement as we seek out to live this truth? Sean, I'm thinking people listening in right now may be in one of those situations right now Mm. and they don't know what to do. And my word to them is don't be afraid. Yeah. And don't give up. Be courageous. Do the right thing. Do the wise thing. And in the end, there'll be a payoff. Yeah, fantastic. Is there anything else that uh, we need to be aware of that's uh, going on here at Grace? Sean, you need to be aware you're married. You need to be aware that Sunday is a very special day. Oh, Valentine's Day. Oh. Valentine's Day. Oh. <laughs> so uh, you better be thinking right now of what you uh, want to do for your lovely bride. Yes. And, you know, Valentine's Day doesn't hit on a Sunday very often, but you're not going to believe this, Sean, and I would love to take credit for it, but I can't. It just worked out. <laughs> Week six of our happy campaign, guess which one another we're going to look at? Which one? Love one another. Oh, my goodness. Love one another. And, it's of course, it's the apex of the whole series. Yeah. And it's a great chapter in Max Licato's book. And we're going to look, we're going to look at, at a wonderful story in Acts 20 where Paul is sitting down with a group of elders in the Ephesian church Uh, men that he had loved with, served with, gone through some really difficult times together. Mm. But he he has to tell them the bad news that he's leaving and will probably never see them again. Mm. And when you get to the end of the story, Sean, it's a a bunch of men crying. I mean, they're crying. So we're going to back up in the story and say, what makes a bunch of guys cry? Hmm. What what is it about what uh, they're relationship with Paul was so strong, their love was so strong, that when he said, I may never see you again, it brought them to tears. I, I want to be able to have that kind of relationship, Sean, yeah. that that if I had to leave, that people wouldn't have tears of joy, mm-hmm. but tears of sadness. Are you, are you going to make us all cry? Someday? That's my goal, Sean. I want you to cry like a little girl. <laughs> all right. Rick, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope that you've been encouraged and better informed. 
we love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments and suggestions to info at roswellgrace.com. If you like what we're doing here at Living Your Dash, please hit the subscribe button, leave us a review on your platform, and share this with your friends. For more information about Grace Community Church, please point your browser to roswellgrace.com. Until next time, I'm Marie, and this is Living Your Dash.